Man, what's up, y'all? I heard y'all were the rowdy bunch. Is that true? Is that true? Rowdy? Okay, on three, tell me your names while I type my password. One, two, three. Come on, y'all. One, two, three. It's good to meet y'all, man. It's good to meet y'all. I wish y'all had like four, five services. I'd really be ready then. It's great. You guys have your Bibles out? You know, as we've been, as I've been doing a series, we started a series at our church called The Elephant Room. You can imagine what we'll be talking about. And one of those series will have Scott Booth out, if you guys know Scott. And so we're going to be asking some crazy questions that you have about the Old Testament. And so anyway, I'm a, I'm a fanatic when it comes to God's word. And in our culture today, uh, the Bible has become... Uh, just a book that we just keep on the coffee table. And, and uh, I just think, you know, I love it when uh, the first service I heard, you know, hey, if you need a Bible, we'll, we'll give you a Bible. We, we, we won't even loan you a Bible. We will like, give you a Bible. And I, I secretly just thought, man, I, I wonder if I could pull that off and raise my hand for a, a Bible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> first Corinthians chapter 15, let's read. 1 Corinthians 15 reads like this. It's the Apostle Paul speaking to a fledgling church in a place called Corinth that is full of a lot of issues. If you're a soap opera watcher, Young and the Restless, no? Okay. Um, Young and the Beautiful. This is us. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So that's what's going on here in Corinth. Everything from sexuality issues to people taking others to court to individuals siding with others. Uh, Yeah, I go to Church of God and Peter, you know, or I go to First Lutheran of the Holy matrimony of Mother Teresa Church. <laughs> Can you imagine all the churches? Uh, have you seen that video of the guy, I forget the guy's name, they're on their way to church. They're just kind of trying to figure out what church they want to go to. Oh, I'm going to go to uh, Kool-Aid Church. <laughs> Interesting fact about black people, um, when, we, when we talk about Kool-Aid, and we refer to the flavor, it's always, it's not like fruit punch or cherry or, you know, grape. It's red or blue. (laughs) Interesting fact. Anyway, (laughs) yes, watermelon. Let's just get it out there, y'all. Watermelon. I love watermelon. I love fried chicken. Like, I love it. I love it. I love anything fried. Put a bagel in there, put it, wrap, it, wrap that thing up. Fry, I love fried, um, as you can tell. So, anyway, so let's read. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. This is the linchpin of his faith. It's him reconciling everything that he had been giving this church a spanking for, if I can use those words. 
And he says, I preach to you which you received and on which you have, which you now take your stand by this gospel, fancy word for just good news. Everybody say good news. You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. He says, I don't want you to forget this. This is where you find your foundation. You have believed in vain for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, raised on the third day according, he goes back to it again, the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, in other words, Peter, to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, or in other words, died. He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. He's just saying, hey, he appeared to me as if, you know, I was a preemie when I was born, you know, and so he's saying, you know, Jesus showed up at a time in my life where I was very pre Mature. I was so premature that I was trying to destroy that which God was trying to do. And then he goes on to say, for I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. The title of my message today is the answer to not enough. Just touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you ever felt like you weren't enough? Paul would understand what he's laying out because in Acts chapter 9 the narrative of his story unfolds and he Luke who also wrote the book of Luke is now writing the second uh, kind of book of this narrative of what Jesus had done it started to do and now he's talking about what the church is doing and he he begins in Acts chapter 9 on his way to destroy the church and, and he has this radical encounter with God and if there's anybody in the room uh, who, who has that kind of story where you were going one way and you met Jesus and he intersected your life that's what's happening here with Paul formerly known as Saul he's, he's in his BMW on his way to destroy the church uh, see, y'all don't like BMWs around here. All right, cool. <laughs> Honda or something. Y'all truck. truck folks, huh? Country Bible, y'all. Big horn in the boy. Come on, where my big horn people at? Chevy, Honda, not Honda. But he's in his truck and he's on his way to destroy the church. And, 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 all, and Jesus just floors the man. Has anyone in here ever been floored by God where you are just in the middle of getting everything that you need from God so that your eyes can be open to the truth of what he wants to offer you? 
and he finds himself on his back and Jesus is standing over him and he says, who are you? And Jesus responds and he's looking down and he said, you, it's hard for you to kick against the goat. He said, what you're doing isn't good. What, how you're treating my people isn't the way that I would. This is this myronism, you know. <laughs> and he's just on his back. Who are you? I'm Jesus. And from that point on, his life changed. And now this man whose life had changed. Some of us, we understand what that looks like. You were going in clear direction. You were going that way, but now you're going this way. That's what happens to Paul. And now he has to write a letter to a church that he dearly loves and yet loves enough to inform how they're behaving because how they're behaving is not in direct obedience to what they were believing. And he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he begins to talk about the gospel. And then he takes another turn and becomes very vulnerable. And in our culture, vulnerable isn't something that you ascribe to. It's like what my mama told me when I was growing up. She said, what happens in this house stays in this house. But not Paul. He says, let me tell you what has been happening in my life. This, uh, this issue of not feeling like I'm enough, let me help you understand just in case you assume that me rebuking you and admonishing you to get back to, this, to the integrity of the gospel, just in case you think that I'm just somebody great and you deify and mystify me as someone who doesn't have flaws, let me just help you understand that I'm the least. I'm the, I'm the least. It literally means I'm the least in rank and excellence. Let me help you understand who it is you're reading from, just in case you think I have it all together. No, no. Just like you, I feel like I'm not enough to the point where I would classify myself as the least. Country Bible this morning, I wonder what you've been saying to yourself when it comes to you feeling like you're enough or maybe you're inadequate. Have you, like myself, had to look back over my life and just say, man, I'm, I'm the least? In fact, I was born to a mama who was on crack cocaine. I was born to a mom who was steep into dr the drug life and to put, to put money, to put food on the table, uh, she'd, have to, she'd have to go sell her body. And all of a sudden, I'm engaged in that lifestyle and I'm growing up in a place where it's all destructive. And the insecurities that build from that the rejection that happens when you don't have a father in the home the lack of acceptance that you feel when you see all of the other little boys dad dads at basketball practice and your dad not there or when you have a basketball game and you're the sixth man coming off the bench and 
You look up in the stands and you're just hoping that your dad would be there, but he never showed up. I'd venture to say you'd feel like you're the least. Or maybe you grew up in a home where dad was there, but he wasn't there because he worked so much that it seemed he put his work above his family. You end up feeling like you're the least. And so with that as the centerpiece of my family, what would happen to a young African-American kid in the ghetto, grew up poor? What would you think that would happen to a guy who didn't know God, a guy who who didn't understand the, the tenets of the faith, a guy who didn't even know that God existed? Yes, in Omaha, Nebraska, nobody had ever told me when I was a kid that there was a God. So what do you do? You turn to the streets. And I don't know what you've turned to when you felt like you weren't enough. But for me, I turned to drugs. It's that cycle. And many of us have cycles that are generational, that aren't healthy. And yet Jesus wants to intersect intersect those cycles that are generational. And when he intersects those cycles that are generational and yet unhealthy, what he wants to do is set us on a trajectory of change. And so here I am on this unhealthy trajectory on my way to my demise and all of a sudden I'm standing before the judge at the age of 16. I'm facing 100 years in prison and he looks at me and he says, young man, I'm going to give you a chance. And he gives me two to three year sentence at the age of 16 and sends me off to prison. I'm talking about feeling like you're the least. The reason why I love sharing stories and the reason why I would advocate for you sharing your story is that when other people, here's what I'm learning as I'm going through my own healing and going through counseling, I'm learning that the more I share my story, the more I heal. The more I share my story, the more I see God in my story, even when I didn't know about the God of my story. I'm leaving the courtroom and I go to prison and I do my thing and I get out. I'm out for five months, y'all. Five months. Cycle, generational, unhealthy. And I find myself right back in front of a different judge. He said, young man, I'm going to make an example out of you today. Now, I had sat in jail for months And what did happen was God intersected my life during my tenure there as I awaited sentencing and I met Jesus. I prayed this big prayer that maybe Paul could understand. Maybe you would even understand. And a prayer was simple. It's not the rhetoric that comes from my mouth that God hears. It comes from the the, the place of our heart that he really wants to get at. And I, I, I I just said, God, I'm destroying my life. But if you change me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life and he met me right there in a jail cell and sometimes what us preachers fail to tell is that when he meets you he still has junk that he wants to meet 
when he meets you at that place of confession in Christ Jesus, surrendering to, his, to, 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 the, to the supremacy of who Christ is, that he continues to want to work out our salvation and bring us to the table where we can say our junk, here's my junk, here's what I'm dealing with. That's what Paul is doing. He's bringing his junk to the table, even though he's having to reprimand a church that doesn't have it all together. The judge said, son, today I'm going to make an example out of you. I think that was God speaking. I sentenced you to 14 to 30 years in prison. Plus the previous sentence you were not done with. 16 to 33 years without parole in 2002. Imagine feeling like the least. I'm leaving the courtroom. I don't know if you guys, everybody in here, if you're super saved or not, but um, there's a guy who uh, I used to listen to when I was in high school and growing up. His name was Snoop Dogg. (laughs) He has a gospel album now. It's interesting. But he has this video, this music video where he shows himself uh, shackled. And it's this, um, one of his bars, one of his lines, he says, shackled from head to toe. You know, um, I'm having flashbacks right now. And so I'm shackled from head to toe in the courtroom leaving. And I can, I can barely walk. 16 to 33 year sentence. Feeling like the least. Grew up in poverty. Mama on crack, daddy on heroin, siblings in foster care, family, family, family full of pimps, hustlers, prostitutes, gangbangers, card I was dealt, and I'm headed, and I'm almost at the door. And then I heard a second voice that was louder than the one I just left. You would have missed it if you weren't listening. I don't know where you were when you first became a Christian, but I was like running them raw new Christians. Like still had a problem with his language, Christians, you know. <laughs> you driving and somebody get in front of you and you forget you were a Christian, you know. <laughs> Have, has someone ever done that and you were on your way to church and you didn't know that they were going to church and you're like. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She's so like, oh, yeah, pastor, I did it today. But God spoke to my heart and he said, I'm going to get you out of prison. And I gave him some Jerry Springer language. And, and, I, and, and, I'm, and they sent me up to Lincoln. And, and he said, I'm, and he began to, un, the, the, the narrative of my life began to unfold. Do you know that when God speaks to you uh, about you, there's always more to your story. And if we're not careful, we can allow what happens at judgment to define what he wants to do with our destiny. You have to be careful to not allow what, what, what judges you, to not allow your, the own convictions of your heart to judge where you're at because you can't judge the first chapter of your life and you don't know what's happening in chapter 20. And some of us define our lives by the chapter we're in, but we have to be careful because we're not writing the chapter. 
The chapter is by God himself. The chapter is from heaven. Heaven is writing a narrative over your life that is worth reading. And you have to stay in the chapter because there's, because there's more to your life than the first chapter. There's chapter one, there's chapter two, there's chapter three, there's chapter four. God is not done writing your chapter. Seven months later, the law changed. Seven years later, I got out of prison. I was looking for a Bible college to attend, and I found out there weren't a lot of them here in Nebraska, you know. Two. So there was one in the phone book. You remember what those are? Pastor, I still get them. I'm like, why do they send me these things? North Omaha is primitive, brothers. Don't realize this. I looked up. It was um, Grace University and NCC. And so I'm going to tell you how spiritual I was as a Christian. Any, many, 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 catch you like a And it landed on Grace. See, what Paul is trying to teach us, it's important what you land on. It's important what you attend. It's important what you're a part of. See, the answer to not feeling like you're enough, even though the language of you feeling like you're the least, me feeling like I'm the least, is that it has to be the grace of God. He says in verse 10, but by the grace of God. And so here I am at this college called Grace. God teaching me. I want you to go to Grace. Some of us specialize in going to so many other sources other than the Grace. And when we go to other different, when we go to different sources other than grace, we end up with a different product. Because on the other side of grace is promotion. On the other side of grace is maturity. On the other side of grace is perspective. On the other side of grace is a new me. But to get on the other side of grace, you have to be honest that you feel like you're the least. He says, I'm the least. And then he takes this triage of not enough and begins with I'm the least. But then he transitions to I don't deserve. Reminds me of another song, an R&B song. I don't know what kind of music you listen to. But there was this music's R&B. It's, uh, I won't say that in country Bible. Okay. Uh, It was a song guy was writing to his girl. And he would say, baby, I don't deserve. I was like, yeah. I used to love that song. You got your favorite song? I got my favorite song. I don't deserve. Paul was saying, I don't deserve to be called an apostle. We often determine what we don't deserve by the decisions that we make. But if you stay in a place of which you don't deserve and you base it on your decisions, then grace can never be a part of the equation. So what Paul is trying to lay out here is I have to be honest with where I'm at, but I will not stay there because grace exists. The answer is, The answer to not enough, the answer to feeling like, I don't deserve to be called an apostle. Imagine where he's at. Imagine the tension that he feels 
of being used by God to lead his church, and this is the very thing he tried to destroy. Imagine after you become a Christian and you go back to the very people who knew you the most and you say, I've changed. And they look at you like, hmm. It happened to me. I got out of prison, a new man. I said, I'm going to go back to my family. I had this big, grandiose, strategic plan to reach my family. I want to go back and tell them, you know, I Mark 5 them. I, you know what happened in Mark 5? Demoniac guy gets saved. He goes back to his family and, you know, 10 cities he preaches the gospel in, you know? I'm like, that's me. I'm going to go back to my family. I go back to my family. I tell them about what God has done in my life, and they just kind of look at me like, yeah, you just let us know when you get off parole. Let's see, see if it's still like, oh, yeah, up until last year, I was a pastor on parole. Let me say it like this. I was a missionary to the penal system, you know. <laughs> says I don't deserve to be called an apostle. How in the world can God put me in position when I cause so many problems? Have you ever been there? How in the world am I married to this boothang of mine? You know what a boothang is? She's like, I have no idea. It sounds like a monster. <laughs> a boothang is a, a spouse, you know. Your baby, your sugar. I don't know what you call your spouse, <laughs> but I got to upgrade, y'all. Any of y'all got a promotion when you married your spouse? Amen. They just make you look better, don't they? <laughs> I just show up. They don't even look at me. They're just like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, she had grace on him. <laughs> I'm married up, y'all. But he said, I don't deserve. Why? Because he's now in this position, but he was causing these problems. Have you ever been in that tension before? Where God has you in a position you know you're not qualified for. And because you have the gift of memory and you can look back at all the problems you caused. Sounds like, sounds like he's in the position of Samson. Where God had given Samson this great grace to be the strongest man alive. I mean, talk about WWF, you know. And he's at the end of his life. His eyes are gouged out. He's shackled between two pillars. And he just tells God, like, remember me. Let me one time take down this enemy of God. And maybe you feel like that sometimes where you look back over your problems and things that you feel like you don't deserve and you can't escape what you remember and yet you want to embrace where you're at because you know that God has given it to you. It's the tension between problem and position. And yet, the position is a gift called grace. You're where you're at in your marriage because of the grace of God. You're where you're at in this church because of the grace of God. You're where you're at in your career because of the grace of God. Sure, none of us deserves the positions we're in, but let me tell you, friend, the answer to not feeling enough is the grace of God. And the grace of God is simply his influence on our heart and this reflection in life. The more we get under the influence of his power, the more he puts us in position for one reason, his kingdom. I don't deserve the awesome wife that I have. I don't deserve to be a dad 
to awesome kids, four of them. Seven and under, seven, five, three, 18, on the way. I'm just joking, not on the way. (laughs) I don't deserve, man. But we often say what we don't deserve based on what we remember. But you have to understand one thing about the nature of God. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I will remember your sins no more. Because it's not about where you've been, it's about where you're going. It's not about, it's ultimately where you're going, it's about who you're becoming. And I want you to become all that I have in mind. And it takes, my friends, the grace of God. The grace of God. The answer to not enough is the grace of God. Even though I'm wrestling with what I don't deserve. And let's be honest. We wrestle every day with what we don't deserve. But it shouldn't be the stop sign that keeps you from going to the next juncture. He says, I'm the least, I don't deserve. And then he, it culminates into, I persecuted the church of God. Can you feel the anguish? Have you ever done something you regret? Have you ever said something that you thought, you, you, you just wish, man, I want to I take it back. I want to I take it back. Have you ever done something where you hurt somebody? Have you ever said something where you hurt somebody's feelings? Have you ever, you know, have you ever, ever, ever is the question. And yet he's been vulnerable. Saying, I persecuted the church. I persecuted the very thing that I needed. Have you ever done something that you regret and it turned out to be the answer to your problem? That's his situation. And he's living with the blessing of memory, but it feels like a curse because the very people who was just trying to herald the good news are the very ones who are being persecuted. But the thing that I love about God, he's bigger than your persecution. He's greater than your problems. He has a plan when you can't see it. Grace. His influence on my heart compels me to surrender to him. And this is the great dilemma that Paul finds himself in, even though he's a leader in God's church. Can I be honest today, church, that we struggle regardless of our credentials, regardless of our aptitude, regardless of how smart we are, regardless of how good looking we are. Come on, somebody. (laughs) The answer to not enough is the grace of God. And he goes on to say, but, the, the, the divine but, but, should remind you every time you sit down, but, by the grace of God. I struggle, but by the grace of God. I'm not where I need to be, but by the grace of God. I need work, but by the grace of God. I have problems, but by the grace of God. He says, I am what I am. You know why that's good news? Because if we're honest, we often associate ourselves with who we are based on what we do. Oh man, I went and 
looked at a site I wasn't supposed to look at. I'm a scumbag. You know what you just did there? You classified yourself and took on that as your identity. The only issue with that is somebody's lying. (laughs) You can be a scumbag or you can be a son. Somebody's lying in that equation and it's not God. He calls us sons and daughters, doesn't he? Paul gets an understanding. He gets to a place of maturity and he understands, yeah, yes, yes, I feel like I'm the least. Yes, I don't deserve. Yes, I have a bad rap sheet. Yes, I have a history that's not worth talking about. However, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I've chosen to identify myself by the grace he's extended. And when we learn to identify or see ourselves through the lens of his grace, our life is better off. You want to get better? Start to see your life through the lens of grace. His grace is abounding. The scripture says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, he's having an issue with his own life. Chapter 11, he begins to unload his biography and he begins to talk about all the things that he's gone through. And all of a sudden, he God intersects his life and he begins to ask God to remove the pain that is happening in his life. Has anybody ever been there where you've asked God, can you remove this from my life? And God says, you're asking the wrong question. He responds with my premise today. God responds to Paul and says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. There's no battle that you have that can't be won when you're on the side of grace. There's no addiction that can be defeated when you're under the influence of grace. There's no relationship that can be mended when you're under the influence of grace. There's no future that can't be redeemed when you are in the car of grace. By the grace of God. I am what I am. Some of us just need to get up tomorrow morning and look ourselves in the mirror and square our shoulders and brush our teeth, you know. Get our hair done. Those of you know. And declare, but by the grace of God. Some of us need to, you know, if you're a little younger, I know what social media platform you're on, your own Snapchat. You just need to snap but by the grace of God. If you're on Instagram, some of you are like, what in the world is that? You just need to take a picture. You need to, you need to take a selfie. Anybody know what a selfie is? <laughs> in fact, everybody do this with me. Just act like you have a phone in your, in your hand. Just, just act like you have it. Come on, some of y'all ain't never did this before. Get used to it. Get used to it. Come on. And just press the button. Snap. And then say this with me. Hashtag. Hashtag. But by the grace of God. That was liberating for some people, wasn't it? (laughs) You said, I'm actually going to do that. It's time to stop looking at yourself, how God doesn't see you. It's time to stop looking at yourself and judging your body image by your own standards. And it's, it's just time to let go 
of what is what's not enough. It's time to say, you know what? Have you ever seen War Room? You remember that black lady? You don't mess with a black woman. She came outside this house. She was warring for her family. And she opened that door. She did a, 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 a karate kid or something. She was like, boom. She opened up the door. She said, devil, you better get your tail out of here. She, and she just started, I would have started cussing. But she's just like, you need to get out of here. And she's like, I'm done with you. I don't want you in my life. Some of us need to say that to our addiction. Some of us need to say that to the lies in our life. Some of us need to say that to the devil himself. I'm done with you. I am all for the grace of God. I'm going to end this relationship. You need to treat the devil like a Facebook status. You know, on the Facebook status, the Facebook status, it talks about the relationship you're in. You need to move from it's complicated to married to the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he ends this part of scripture. He ends this part of scripture by saying this. This is pretty powerful if you're listening. He says, and his grace to me was not without effect. He says his grace was working in my life. This morning I want to tell you, even though you feel like you're not enough and you're looking for the answer to solve your problems, grace is right here. And what Paul alludes to is that this grace has always and forever will be at work in my life because I can see it. Second service before I got up here. As God is my witness, I could feel the grace of God. I could feel that, that it wasn't me up here. I could feel, because I'm not that smart, I could feel God on me. I can feel him with a message for you today. And I just stopped by to encourage you. I stopped by to inspire you. I stopped by to remind you that it is the grace of God. It is his grace that you are defined by. It is his life in your blood. It is his life in your life that, that, that you are who you are. You're not your mistakes. You're not what they've said. You're not the lies you're thinking about you are defined by the grace of God and he says in landing I worked harder than all of them all of the disciples originally had followed Jesus he says I worked harder than all of them And then just so he would keep his humility, he has to land it with these words. Yet not I, but the grace of God. That was with me. The answer to not enough is the grace of God by which we are defined, by which is working in our very lives. And lastly, the very grace that is with all of us right now, the very grace that saves us. answered are not enough it's the very grace of God Jesus 
prayed all over the room this morning. That we would all just get real. Be honest about where we are. How we are. Pray that we position ourselves as containers of grace. We'd see ourselves through that lens. As Pastor Andrew said last, uh, last service, God's riches at Christ's expense. Oh, Lord, I pray that number one action plan isn't, isn't just to go out and be a better Christian. It's, it's to go out and, and agree with you, Father, that we are who we are by the grace of God. Remind us, stir us, encourage us, lead us, guide us. Help us to not forget when we feel like we're not enough the grace of God is. In Jesus' name, amen.